Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm here today with Claude Gauguin. Claude is a civil engineer originally from Canada and works for the National Precast Concrete Association, a trade association that represents precast concrete manufacturers throughout North America. He's been with NPCA for 14 years and mainly works on training and outreach. So Claude, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to doing what you're doing with MPCA. I graduated with a civil engineering degree in Moncton, New Brunswick, this little town, the east end of Canada. And it was poor timing for me for graduation because the local economy was in a bit of a rough shape. So I expanded my job search and ended up getting hired by a precast manufacturing company in Columbus, Indiana. So I packed my uh, my Chevy Cavalier at the time and drove 30 hours southwest to a new land of new opportunities. And I ended up working there for about 10 years or so, and then worked for general contractors and developers in Indianapolis, staying in Indiana, and finally ended up back in precast where I was hired by MPCA in 2008. Been here ever So what is it that you like best about precast and what's kept you in the industry for so long? Good question. I love concrete. I've always, since I've been in construction, I've loved working with concrete and working with precast concrete is, it's a great industry because we get to make these amazing things out of concrete and then let them cure and you can ship them out. It just gives you, it's almost like we're making pieces of art, even though it's for a, a manhole or a sewer or things like that. But just the the whole idea of it and the whole working with members and working with manufacturers, it's just been, it's been a great industry from both sides of it because I've been on the precaster side and also on the association side. And it is a growing industry. It's something that even though concrete's been around for such a long time and seems like such an ancient construction material, the technology behind concrete and the increasing, the new technologies that are coming out are so exciting. It's still an evolving material in a sense. So I just gravitate to that kind of thing. And especially since you're talking about concrete being the number two you most used material. resource on the planet with water being number one. And like you said, it's been around forever. So what are some of the things that you're seeing, some of these new technologies that are super cool that are opening up for you? There's, in the world of admixtures, which are these chemicals that they put in the concrete, because concrete, we all know it as cement and water and aggregates. From time to time, some of us will make our own concrete to put a fence post in or something like that in the backyard. And that's essentially still what's used today, except for the cement the cementitious materials are varying more and more. You've got your regular Portland cement, then you've got other types of cementitious materials. Some of the cementitious materials are from another industry. They're actually waste from another type of industry like coal or steel manufacturing. And admixtures, the chemicals that they're making that make the concrete do one thing or another, either in its fresh state or in its hardened state, is just amazing. And now they are looking at concrete on a nano scale to be able to study how to alter its properties 
and how to make it even better and how to make it even durable. A nanoscale, if I was to tell you, so a nanometer is about, my hair grows, the hair that I have, grows about a nanometer a second. So that gives you an idea of how small a nanometer is. And they are studying concrete on that smallest scale. And then there's 3D printing of concrete that they're working on. And there's always new things coming out. Wow. So what are they printing? I know I saw one of those home shows that they were printing houses out of concrete. So what other kind of things are they printing? They're out of concrete. They're printing, they are printing some things like bridge components for small pedestrian bridges. I know there was a bridge overseas in Europe that they 3D printed, uh, but mostly it's above ground structures, like you said, a house or building panels or things like that, because the technology is still relatively new. The challenge is how do you put reinforcing in that printed concrete so that it can withstand the loads uh, that it's intended to. But it's an exciting industry, not even not just printing the concrete itself, but printing other things that can be used to form and make precast concrete. So there's actually other uses for it. Well, that's really what I love about my speaking career. And it's what I love about my podcast is being able to connect with people who are passionate about things that really people don't think about and putting that spin on it and encouraging younger people to see the vitality of an industry that has been around for so long and perhaps consider that as an option for them as they're looking at what to do with their lives. Absolutely. In my role, I do outreach and I go speak to a lot of students in universities, colleges, sometimes in high schools or even once in an elementary school. And my passion for concrete comes out no matter who I'm talking to. I just love talking about concrete and making it sound as exciting as it is. And I will get that kind of feedback where the student will come and say, that's not even a career path I had considered, but that does sound exciting. And it is. Yeah. And so what are some of the things that we've talked a little bit about this, but that you see the concrete, the concrete, precast concrete industry heading? Well, what's happening is a lot of construction sites, they're getting leaner, the term leaner, and you've heard of lean manufacturing, right? Finding ways to find efficiencies, reducing waste, finding efficiencies in production. And the same thing applies to a construction site. How can we reduce the waste that occur on a construction site, the waiting for materials, things like that? And that has led very much to, it's led very well to precast products because precast, if you think about it, it's a pre-manufactured structure. It's made somewhere else. It's ready by the time you need it. So when it arrives on a truck, it can be put into place right away and it can be used right away as opposed to if you're using conventional concrete that you're pouring and you see the trucks going down the road with the big rolling drums and you pour it on a construction site, then you have to wait for it to cure and waiting as just one of the wastes of lean manufacturing. So in that sense, we've seen precast starting to be used in more and more applications that were traditionally cast in place. So that's where I, the industry is really continuing to grow. It was growing before the pandemic and then it continued to be busy. And then now it's gotten really busy, but we're just seeing more and more applications. And along with the technologies I mentioned earlier, it's giving the industry the versatility to meet the architect, to meet the engineer where they are 
and basically produce whatever their imagination would come up with. So we talk about the industry from a technical standpoint, but I know that one thing that not only your members, but manufacturers in general are struggling with is finding people to come on board. So what are some of the things that you've seen your members do as far as attracting and retaining people to join them? Yeah, that is in fact a struggle. Uh, as it is with a lot of other manufacturing uh, businesses. The thing about precast concrete is we're not, it's not real well known. If somebody is looking for jobs and they see that Amazon is hiring for uh, a warehouse and fulfillment, you have an idea going in of what you're going to be doing more or less. If you see something about precast concrete manufacturing, it's not like we're out there and people know right away what that is. So we have an image issue, not that we have a negative image, but we just don't have one. We just, we're just not out there. And so that's one thing that a lot of our members are doing now is just getting out there a lot more in a lot of different ways, visiting local schools, universities, opening up their plants uh, for tours, going to job fairs, participating in their communities, maybe donating a structure for something in the town square or sponsoring a little league team or Cub Scout pack. But things like that, just getting the name out there so that people go, what is that anyways? And you can explain a little more what's involved. So just opening up the awareness of the industry is one thing we're doing. And then we're learning, as everybody else is, to really think differently about how to attract and retain today's generation of young employees So using social media, meeting them where they're at and just offering them something that's going to be attractive to them, that's going to speak to their motivations and aspirations. And that's a big learning curve compared to doing the same for, let's say, a baby boomer or a Generation X. And when it comes to, because I love the fact of plant tours, I know I've worked with several precast concrete companies and just going and seeing the size of the plant and the scope of what's being made and the beauty of some of the pieces. And then also the pride that goes along with that immediate gratification of creating something like that. But do you have specific stories or examples or basically a how-to? If a person listening to this was thinking about opening up their plant for maybe using manufacturing day or just opening it up, what does that look like? What do they do? Do they have activities during the day? Yeah, we have we have this thing, first of all, that we've done for about three years now. It's called Precast Days and where it's a coordinated effort amongst a lot of our manufacturers across the country across North America to open up their plants about the same time of the year, usually around October, November. But some plants will do it differently. We'll offer them some guidance as to how they should advertise and things they need to think about in terms of safety and just somehow making it as educational as possible to the people coming to see the plant. So some of them will will try to continue to manufacture, which can be a challenge just in terms of safety, because we have moving buckets and things moving around. And if you just have people walking around, it's it's really a sensitive thing. So you have to cordon off some areas. But ideally, if you're going to have people in your plant, they're going to want to see the mud flow. They're going to want to see you mixing concrete, placing it in a form, and then having somebody explain the process where everybody can hear and everybody can understand so those are the challenges and it's just, and we're helping our members with that. 
is is making the most of that experience so that people leave there and uh, with a really good understanding of what precast is all about. And actually, precast days has turned out to be not only a good thing for increasing awareness, but it's actually resulted in some of our members hiring people from that plant tour. They came back, submitted a resume, and a couple of our plants still have people that are working there that they first met on the plant tour. Wow. Now, do they reach out to local schools? At what age do they start really focusing and bringing people in for these plant tours? Usually, some of them will reach out to high school level. I've not heard of anything beyond that. And then, of course, universal level, college level schools, they'll reach out to just, I don't know, just groups. Just First of all, they will bring in a few of their customers. And that's one thing is some of their customers who purchase precast products have never actually seen the product made. So they'll make that a priority as, as well as inviting all their, their customers, maybe some that specify the product and some that work for state authorities or private, private contractors. And then as well, students, just members of the community, it depends, but not probably not any, not much younger than high school age that I've seen so far anyway. Well, I know you've talked a lot about onboarding and you have an, a background in engineering and yet you developed an onboarding program for your members. So what does that onboarding program look like and where do you continue to get ideas for the content of it? I So the onboarding program, in, in, in a, just briefly, it's so it's for our members and it's set up into two pieces. One component is an onboarding guide and it's meant for the employer. And it just takes you through what onboarding means, how it differs from orientation and what you can do from not just even the date of hire, but prior to that with pre-boarding, starting from that phase all the way beyond a year or beyond that. And having a checklist that they can go through and, and to make sure that they're getting the most out of that employee, the employee's getting the most out of their experience so they can find out if they're a good fit for each other and that they're going to want to stay. And then on the, on the other hand, the video portion. So we have a suite of videos that we made that they can play for the candidate or the employee. And the videos range from, there's some that just talk about the industry in general and just the, the amazing things that we do. There's one video that's called The Day in the Life of a Precaster. So some of it is like first person based and you arrive at the plant, you go in, you go through your day, you have lunch and we cut out the bathroom breaks, but things yeah. like that, that they can see what a typical day in a precast plant is. Then there's some safety videos and then there's videos that are really role-based for further on in, in the employment where they can learn to do specific things in a precast plant. So that's really helpful to help the member educate the candidate, the employee, which obviously helps in, in retaining them. How it came about or how somebody else had the idea. I wish I could claim the idea, but somebody else here had the idea to do it and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, I'm the engineer. I usually deal with mixed designs and the technical side of things. This is a bit outside of my comfort zone, but at the same time, I was excited about it. So where I got my information, I did a lot of reading materials, looked at stuff from experts, including yourself, and listened to some seminars, read a lot, but also drew a lot from my own experience. I just sat there and tried to remember how it felt during my first day 
at NPCA or my first day at that precast plant in Columbus, Indiana, and how I felt in terms of like little things, like little stresses. I remember I didn't know what to put on, what to wear. I didn't know what to bring for my lunch. Are they going to take me to lunch? Should I bring a brown bag lunch? Should I, where am I going to park? Little things that add stress to an already stressful day. And then getting into that new environment, not knowing anybody, things like that, and taking that and molding this onboarding program to try to address that, to make the employee as comfortable as possible when they arrive. They have a set parking spot. They're taken out to lunch the first day. Clear instructions are sent out as to what to wear, what to expect. They get a schedule in the morning when they get there. Things that I remember, and even while you're interviewing them and you remember things about, let's say they love root beer, then having a root beer sitting on their desk on their first day of work, there's nothing better than little things like that to make this different than other experiences. Like, oh, they really listened to me. I don't even remember saying I like root beer and uh, making it very much like you've just joined a new family. So that's, but every time I listen to a new podcast or I read something, I get a new idea to add to version 2.0 of our onboarding program. It's worked great so far. Plus I'm getting feedback from those who have used it to try to make it better and better. And when you look at just these little things that you can do, they don't take a lot of time. They don't really cost any money. And yet, when you think about that employee, they probably sent out a whole bunch of applications and that you happen to be, they happen to accept the job from you, but that doesn't mean that everybody else is going to stop calling them. So if they don't have that great day and they don't know where to park or what to wear and what to do for lunch and all these things that it's just a matter of communication, who knows what's going to happen when one of those other companies calls and so say. You still, you still looking? Yeah, what you got? <laughs> Which brings us to another really interesting point, and that's the pre-boarding mm-hmm. of really connecting with those people right after the interview and in that really vulnerable place of time between the time where they accepted the offer and their start date. Because I'm sure that you have heard a lot of horror stories like me that people just ghost you. It's they're just, they're not calling. They're not doing anything. They are just not showing up. So the more pre-boarding that you can use to, to build that relationship and build that commitment beforehand is probably assuring that you're not going to be ghosted as often. So what are some of the things that you're seeing that they're doing before start date? And, and we're trying to get our members to do more of this, but the thing is to make it personal right off the bat. It's either sending a video from the president or the owner of the company saying, hey, I want to welcome you to this company. I understand we've got an offer in place and you're coming to work for us. This is what we're all about and telling the story. People love stories, telling the story of the company because a lot of our members are smaller mom and pop kind of company. They're big, but they started off really small. And then we have larger corporate type companies, but everybody's got a story and they can share that story and make it a little more personal Uh, And then give them and then just keep in communication with them throughout that period, because you're right, they it's a prime time for them to get it's almost like a buyer's remorse after buying a house or a car, but it's like a hiring remorse. I don't know what you would call it. We have friends saying, hey, where'd you get a job at? Free gas. What's that? Have you heard this other place is hiring? And so if you just go quiet during that time, expecting them to show up on day one, you may get surprised. So we encourage our members to 
send that message, send some material for them to look at, get some paperwork done up front if you can, and do it in a way that's going to be send them electronic files. If they're younger folks, you have it meet them where they are, like I said. And yeah, just keep that line of communication going. Don't you think that's important? Oh, yeah. And even I think about when I'm putting together my programs and my slide decks when I use them and using people's pictures, the actual client, like for NPCA, I went to your Facebook page to found several people. And the funny thing is, as I'm walking through the event, I'm like, oh, that person's in my slide. Oh, that person's in my slide. And it and Coming from a speaker standpoint, it made me feel more at home because I knew, I felt like I knew some of these people or knew something about them. And the same thing for that brand new person coming in. They get a video from the president or from somebody in leadership that is welcoming them. It's, oh, they're putting a face to the name. Mm -hmm. They get, I've heard other organizations that they will put together the, what is it, the org chart, but it's all people's pictures on it. So again, you can just, start to see, oh, I know that person. And even if you don't remember their names, you're still going to remember there's a familiarity about that. Yes. And it certainly makes it easier on your first day. If you've got some faces to put the names and vice versa, you tell everybody somebody's coming in, this is what they look like. This is their first name and just make them feel welcome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I talk about that all the time as far as how important that first day is, because otherwise if that person comes in first day on the job, they're already stressed out and their computer's not set up or their truck's not set up. And the receptionist looks at them and goes, oh, I didn't know you were starting today. And then the people in the plant are like, why should I get to know that person? They're going to be gone in three weeks anyway. <laughs> right. But yeah. if you actually took a time to figure out who they were, maybe they'd stay. And that goes on and on. One thing our members have done a great job about is to continue that sense of family. They'll go on social media and congratulate somebody after their first 90 days or after a year. So now you're getting friends and family liking that post, whatever social media it might be, and you're getting investment. Suddenly family, friends, they're investing, they're congratulating you on that that's been posted. Birthdays, same thing. Some of our members are using referral programs where if I bring in somebody I know and they stay for a certain period of time, then we both get a bonus. That's worked very well too. But just that sense of family, they're proud of me for having been here this long. They When they take a training course, they get a little certificate or diploma and it's announced throughout the plan. For some of these folks, this is the only degree or certificate they've ever gotten. And it's a very big sense of pride for them. And as as much as you can make them feel that sense of belonging, pride, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Hey, that's a great formula for retention, right? Yeah. And the other thing too, that you mentioned about organizing people for one year, making it one year, so important. A lot of times when we look at milestone anniversaries, we start with five years and we go five years and 10 years. And I think first year should be a huge celebration. If you can keep that person for one year, there's a really good chance you're going to keep them for two. Yeah. Oh, you got that right. Yeah. You make it a year, you're in good shape. Yeah, just these shorter increments. And again, I don't think that anything that we talked about was particularly rocket science or some things that's going to cost a ton of time and money, but it's just these little things. And I love what you said at the beginning about thinking about your experience and your first day and what would have made it better for you. 
And if I think if enough owners and leaders and HR people or people in, in leadership in these companies did the same thing and asked their employees a couple of weeks after, what did you like about the onboarding process? What would you change if you were me? And that's start continually getting that feedback. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. So out of all of the things that we talked about, what's your favorite or your best tip that you've seen work really well with your members when it comes to what they're doing in the workplace? I would say the the referral programmers worked very well. The use of social media, as I said, some of the plants have one thing we had recommended, but some of it, some have already been doing that, but is assigning a peer or somebody to that new employee to help them, especially through those first days, somebody they can become immediately familiar with, somebody who's going to answer the questions, like time do we take a break, where's the bathroom, but also just take them through and introduce them to the schedule in the plant. People that have done that, that, that have instituted that, that system uh, it has worked very well for them. And as a matter of fact, Earlier on, we would hear about some tension between the ones that have been in the plant for years and years, your baby boomers that were in the plant for a long time, older generation workers, and then the newer workers coming in, you know, that, oh, these guys are lazy, they're entitled. You'd hear all this. There was some friction between those groups. But by using some of those more experienced workers as that peer, that one-on-one peer with some of these younger guys, I've heard success stories of suddenly somebody, they find that somebody that's worked for them for 30, 35 years has this great ability to teach somebody how to do that, to do something that they never even realized because it's never been used. But these people have a story to tell too, and they want to pass on their knowledge or they're proud of their experience. And it hasn't worked in every case, but I've heard more stories about this bonding that's occurred between two people of very different backgrounds and being able to help each other. One guy helping the older guy on how to use an iPad, or, and then the older guy helping the younger guy in doing something that's much more analog and hand in the plant. So, yeah. so that's actually worked out really well. Yeah. So the the mentoring part of it, but also the reverse mentoring, because they both want to feel relevant. Yes. The person who's been there, the tenured employee wants to still feel relevant that for the contribution and the history they have with the organization and person coming in wants to feel valued and appreciated and not like they're going to be stuck doing all the grunt work while they pay their dues because that ain't working. Yeah, exactly. So that's worked out great. Claude, we've talked about, it's been such a fun conversation with you as I knew it would be. So if people would like to continue the conversation, what's the best way to get a hold of you? They can go to our website, w.precast.org, which is NPCA's website. You can find me on there. You can also email me direct at cgogan at precast.org, G-O-G-U-E-N. And I always love talking to people, whether it's somebody who's interested in a career in precast or even interested in in giving me more and more tips on onboarding and retention and recruiting. I'm always open to more ideas. All right, Claude, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time.